Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. listen. Now, live from Chicago, the Hal Sparks radio program mega worldwide. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hal Sparks, actor, comedian, and multimedia personality. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hal Sparks. All right, let's do this. Well, uh, by golly, it's uh, quite the week. Oh, Johnny Million is doing uh, ASMR for all of us. In that, in that, in that. Suite. I'm done. I promise I won't do that anymore. I don't. I don't know that I believe you. I, um, <laughs> I um, I'm on the fence personally. I'm trying to lighten the mood. It's been a rough week, man. It's been a very rough week. I um, <clears throat> and if you think it was rough for you and I, imagine how rough it was for the current crop of maggots in this country. Yesterday, Steve Bannon uh, declared uh, uh, Carrie Lake the 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 official undisputable um, governor of Arizona. So the right wing, oh, for the record. You know. Are handing out participation trophies. Yeah, you're awesome. mayor too. You nobody loses. You get a you get a little ribbon for playing the game. So she can it's, be uh, mayor, governor, like the way Trump is still president. Yeah. So when things are going horribly, we can blame because, her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm always amazed that uh, um, I, I, I it would be really funny if Katie Hobbs, for example, knew. That uh, knew that like somebody calling in was particularly like a, a specifically a maggot, you know, and they're like, I don't like the way you're writing Arizona phone call. And she's like, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. You need the actual governor. I'll put you through right now. Right. You transfer her to because uh, I, I you know they still calls. got her cell phone. By the way, they say I'm louder than you. Oh, I'm, I was working on that. I, okay. I was I was tweaking with that. I, uh, I think it's um, I think we'll be OK. My. Oh, my, my mic, uh, because of this crazy website I use, goes down all the time. It's so strange. Right. Anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a crazy thing. It's crazy. So, um, anyways. Thank you, Lisa Mia Moore. Thank you, Hal Vickery. The, uh, thank you for the Super Chats, guys. And by the way, welcome to the show. It's uh, Health Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. We're every Saturday. And we also live stream at infotainmentwars.com. We live stream on Facebook, on my Facebook page, the House, the House Parks page, and we and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash House Parks. And we're on Twitter, uh, whatever that is. I don't even know what that place is right now. It has a, a, a for you um, uh, feed along with the stuff that I've chosen to be for me, apparently. Um, the... Uh, yeah, I was like, why am I getting all these tweets? I have to switch over to following all the time. Right, because uh, they know better than you what you might want to see. You might also be interested in is yeah. now a thing. It's now the actual feed. And by the way, right. You before, might also like Hitler. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a parody account, but he does say all the things. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> Elon Musk, right before he like in the process of trying not to buy Twitter right before he bought it. And, you know, after he said he was gonna and said he wasn't gonna before he did, he, he went on his account and said, by the way, click up in the corner and you'll see the feed. That's what you want to see, not what they want you to see. And then as soon as he got in, he just 
through the big, oh, make that a whole, make that permanent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty gnarly. So, um, lots to talk about today. Obviously, um, Philip Bittner will be joining us in the second hour. There's a lot of news coming out of, uh, Russia right now. I have, I, I might have a scoop that he doesn't have. <gasps> I'm at this point. I mean, cause it's, you know, he's more of an on the ground kind of a guy and I, I have to be big picture because I'm in Las Vegas, but, <laughs> um, uh, there's, there's some really fascinating economic news about, Russia and its relation to the EU and all that kind of stuff that I, I would like to break down. And I think it'd be great when to talk about it when he's on the show. In the meantime, though, um, yesterday was like a, a a horrible holiday for disgusting, frightening video. Yeah. Now, we live in a time. I successfully avoided all of it. Um, I did not. I, uh, I, I watched all of it. Ugh. And... Um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, considering, like I said, I uh, I am um, I don't even know how you call it a subscribe to or a member of or a thing on a bunch of like telegram channels okay. that are both right wing and pro Russia and and Ukrainian. Yeah. I, I see my fair sh- these days in the last year. I OK, here's a Gen X thing. Johnny Million, and I'm sure you and I had this conversation okay. in high school. There was a videotape floating around uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. That, and I think you know where I'm going, that was banned, but some people had it or knew somebody who had a copy of it. Um, that um, I think one of the video stores in Wilmette, the dude who ran it, had, you know, had a copy you could borrow, and it was called Faces of Death. Yeah, that? yeah, that's I. I was about to guess that. Yep, Faces of Death was a. It was just, it was just like real, like horrible deaths of people caught on video. Yeah, I remember watching that at um, Greg Soar's house. Yeah, Greg. that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, Greg, if you're listening. Uh, oh, sorry, can sorry. Name check you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't your fault. It was because somebody no. else wrote. But um, but the the inter- you know the 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 sort of prurient fascination with that when we were kids was the rarity of it. Now and and that was a thing. Like it was literally like any video store that would sell something like that or have it on its shelves would be out of business in a second. It was always yeah. under the table or hidden around or you know snuck around or somebody pretended they had seen it. I knew, I knew people who I know had never seen it who pretended to have seen it. I know that I finally saw it. It's I, I have kind of like an echo of it. I remember just the, the pit in my stomach, just like, because I love slasher movies. I love horror movies. Yeah. But but there's a difference. There's a huge difference. I was, I couldn't. Right. And going uh, to the kitchen. Yeah, I just remember the alligator. That's the only one. I remember of, the of, monkey. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it is, it it was sort of generally understood that even as latchkey as, as we were as young kids and as supposedly exposed to the world as we were as Gen Xers when we were growing up, there was an idea that like seeing stuff like that isn't necessarily good for you. It's not even good for you when you're an adult. It's traumatic no. and, gar- and gross. And now, 
that stuff pops up on social media all the time. Stuff of equivalent to that is is uh, is shows up on the regular, and they'll go trigger warning and like, yep. tri- like they used to close down video stores if they thought they would show anything like that. And there were I remember a couple of movies that I watched when I was a kid, named mainly like Cannibal Holocaust, which was a uh, Argento movie where he uh, he allegedly it was banned in Italy and in other countries because he used real corpses to show. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And I remember seeing that and watching it and going, I don't know if that's true, but even the thought that it's true is wrecking me right now. This is really sad. You know about the the poltergeist swimming pool scene, right? Yes. The um, When all of the skeletons are coming up around her, those are real cadaver skeletons because they're way cheaper than fake ones. They were that, real. Na- well, nature makes them, whereas you know, fa- you got to you got to have a factory that makes exactly. fake bones. Yeah, um, that's horrifying. There's also one real skull at uh, Disneyland. Did you know that in the Pirates of the Caribbean and all no. the skeletons? There's one. It's on the master bed in the in, all, in the treasure room. It's a it's in the headboard. That's a real skull. What are we doing to ourselves? I don't know, but I, here's what I'm saying. Like that, I'm just the point I'm trying to make is um, there used there was a time, and I don't want to get too kids today because it's not kids; it's grown ups who, yeah. you know, there. I don't know if it's just this general like the the prurient interest in it, and, and specifically like um, the the Memphis police brutality video is heartbreaking and I, I don't recommend every oh. anyone watch it because you're not going to understand anything better by having seen it. You're well, not but, going to, there's not going to be a realization that comes from it. You see it. It's exactly what you've heard. It is. It is the, the police that did it. The five officers are being charged with everything from second degree murder to uh, reckless endangerment. And, and I believe even kidnapping. kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he was not allowed to leave and they had no reason to detain him. That's the, uh, you know, that's what that is. He, by the way, same uh, charge OJ um, got in Las Vegas. Oh, because when he wanted his stuff When back. he wanted his stuff back because he had his friend who had a gun and he was like, he was he basically threatening his guys, leave. You, you can't leave the room. That's kidnapping. Yeah. You don't have to take someone away to kidnap them. We often think of that. We think van, child, skid marks goodbye yeah and that's but this kidnapping is technically if you hold someone in your own house that's a form of kidnapping because they should be able to go wherever they Wrongful want anyway, imprisonment baby that's right so i i would say and in seeing it go around the this you know just kind of ginning up the outrage machine on twitter without any result from it is is i would argue socially dangerous because the officers were charged the video came out. It's the kind of the linear nature of a crime and us any other crime. If these weren't police officers and there was a there was film of someone who'd been attacked and it came out after they'd been charged. That's how this stuff usually works. Yeah. Same thing, you know, same thing with the Paul Pelosi video. And we're going to we like we're already at the break because we've been chit chatting so much yeah. about horror sorry about that sorry yeah. about the tangents on this but it is about like how accessible that stuff is and how shocking it can be 
and how that impacts your view of the world. Um, and, and can't not. And that's something it's almost like people have to be continuously vigilant against so that they don't become jaded and nihilistic and think the world is constantly awful when it frankly is not. Right. Um, and one of the reasons why we want access to those things and be able to see those things so we know what's going on is because we care about the victim. And that's something I think also people need to focus on and never forget. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Watch Radio program, Mega Worldwide now with 100% more Johnny Million. After that's this, me. oh boy, the Paul Pelosi, Mia Culpas are coming in hot and heavy. I, oh, they're dialing it back as best they can to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. We'll be back. Yeah. You're locked into the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I'm just going to let Johnny bring us back. Go ahead, Johnny. Bring us back. Go ahead. Hey, welcome back to the House Sparks Johnny Million thing. It's, <laughs> it's stuff we do on Saturdays. And we we're talking uh, in the break about how Fox News is awful. <laughs> That was really good. That's good. And and you and that was off the cuff. People might not believe that. But that was completely extemporaneous. Completely off script. Yeah, that's amazing. Like that's uh that's I mean, Don Jr. couldn't pull that off. He could not. <laughs> I think he, I not, he always has to look at his notes. Than Don Jr. I think so too. Mouthful of chips. Yeah. So um the 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 Paul Pelosi um attack. There are there are elements of it that we have known for a very long time, elements that if you paid any attention to it, namely uh, parts of the 911 call that were released. It's abundantly clear that Paul Pelosi, while he was trapped in his house with this lunatic for something like 45 minutes before God, he was able to call that long. Yeah, before he was because he was. Because the guy broke in and he and then came up to the room and he was like, I'm here for Nancy. And he's like, well, she's not here. So what are we going to do? And he's like, well, I think I'm going to have to tie you up because I'm tired from carrying my backpack up the hill. So I but and he goes, well, how about I just go in the other room? And he's like and he blocks him and then they sit and and the, and the guy's just quiet for a minute. He's holding a hammer like it's terrifying. Ah. This the, the sorry. So he finally gets to the bathroom where his phone is charging. Because even the Pelosi's live like the rest of us, which is we have we have our one phone adapter in the next room on the counter, just like my dad does. You know, like they, they, instead of having like one of those nifty chargers beside the bed, they just where's the nearest outlet that I don't have to bend over for it. That's exactly that's how old people is, is that charge why their I phone. do it like that. That's got to be why I do it like that. That's exactly why you do it like that. That's why you, I hate why, bending over. Yeah, I, well. Well, the things um, you say when I bend over, it's a big That's what it is. It scars from, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, high school. Anyways, so the he manages to get into the bathroom. He puts the, he makes a phone call to 911. It's on speakerphone. And you can hear him saying, there's a man in my house and he's standing right here and he's talking. He He's here. Uh, I'm Paul Pelosi. My wife is speaker, Nancy Pelosi. And he's here for her we don't know him he's in and he's telling me n- n- and 
to put the phone down and do as he says. And the 911 operator is like, okay, well, let us know if you have a real problem. Call us back. He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, oh my God. Uh, I yeah. didn't hear this. Yeah. The, the, the transcript of it and the recording of it, I posted it on my, um, on my Twitter is astounding and just experientially. And, and ultimately I think the biggest lesson in all this is hats off to Paul Pelosi Cause, oh my God, that guy kept his cool. That guy, because looking really? back, I, I mentioned this yesterday on the live stream. If people want to watch that clip, I, I do a full breakdown of it. It took like an hour um, of uh, I broke down Glenn Beck, basically never apologizing, but walking back everything he said for the last six months or whatever, or the last three months about this thing, and. In, in going through it, the the one thing that kind of stands out is that, again, 45 minutes until he gets the 911 call, nine, 10 minutes until they get there. And the whole time, we look, in, in retrospect, we're looking back on this, and we know he was hit in the head with a hammer by this crazy person. Yeah. But up to that point, Paul Pelosi had managed this lunatic in his house, he had man, he, like for all Paul Pelosi knew was, yeah, he's got a hammer, but the cops are here now and they see this is something wrong. They got my clues. I don't have if I if I scream or something, he might snap. So but yeah. so far he's calm. He's trying, you know, until he starts to try and wiggle away the hammer in it like it. It is yeah. it is incredibly impressive. How. Paul Pelosi was able to survive that up until you know up until he was struck all yeah. by himself because it like it's a nightmare scenario and looking back in retrospect because hindsight is twenty twenty we can all we all now know that David DePap is is capable of physically assaulting an elderly man and trying to kill him but up to that point it's just a cuckoo bird guy who's ranting about your wife in your house and he hasn't done anything yet and you've managed to calm him down and you know the cops are on their way and if he thinks oh the cops are coming up or if they roll up you know with their lights flaring and sirens or whatever he might react on that even so uh, again amazing that paul pelosi that that the police didn't show up knock on the door and not get an answer because DePap was in there standing over a corpse. That could have happened at any time. So easy. And yet, Paul Pelosi was able to calmly, in you know, and you can hear him trying to tell the 911 operator without telling the 911 operator. Yeah. That he was, he's like, I don't know this man. He's, and, and, uh, and DePap even at one point goes, he goes, what's uh, what's the man's name? And he goes, I don't know. And the guy goes, my name's David. And uh, he goes, oh do you know God. this man? And he goes, who is he? And DePap leans in and goes, I'm a friend. And and literally Paul Pelosi says, he says he's a friend, but we don't know him. Oh. And uh, they, she at one point, she the when the 911 operator is hanging up, she goes, I um she goes, well, call us back if you have a problem. He goes, uh, uh, no, 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 no. He thinks everything's okay. I have a problem, but he thinks everything is okay. 
He's telling me to put the phone down and do what he says. And at that point, it's just like sirens all over the place. It has to be. And not to mention the fact that it's Nancy Pelosi's house is going to come up. Although for uh, who knows, it might just say Paul Pelosi, you know, because they're old fashioned and his is on the on the on. It's his phone and the location of the house might be as she's not there. He even says at the beginning, like, uh, are the Capitol Police there? And they're like, no, this is San Francisco. He's like, no, 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 I understand that. They usually handle things for my wife, Nancy Pelosi. She's the Speaker of the House. Clearly trying to tell the 911 operator that this is a serious, dangerous situation. Never mind the fact that there was this whole conversation. We went over this, I think, you and I a couple of times. This whole, like, he came to the door and he opened it and... They said, there's no problem here. And they were both in their underwear. And then they took several steps yeah. back into the room and and did the mamba or whatever the heck. When you watch this video, it, it is nowhere near the reality of what went down. And everything about it, it's clear that a man in, in, a, in a hostage situation is doing his best, by the way, to try and rotate David DePap around. Quite frankly, so if he tries to do anything, the cops can shoot him without having to shoot right through Paul Pelosi. Um, it's uh, like just terrifying. Um, yeah, and Stargirl saying, "Why on earth would he call nine one one?" Because they have a landline in the house that apparently connects to DC or whatever that's set up, and, and that if you. Pick up that phone. Apparently, they know there's trouble and blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't near that. That's not in the bedroom. It's in the living room or something because it's one of those kind of things. It's more for communication, not emergencies. You know, it's I don't think they were thinking it through that way. But there was no landline in the bedroom that he could get to anyways. Um, as far Insofar as we know, he had to use his cell phone. And he had one phone call to make. And 911, that's who's close. <laughs> that's how you do it. Right. And, and that's, by the way, why it worked. So um, just watching everybody, you know, walk it back. And at one point, like, Paul Pelosi has a bottle of water in his hand, yeah. in his left hand, and while he's holding the other hammer, uh, while he's holding the hammer that DePap has by the top to try and make sure that he can't get it loose. And it's really clear that Pelosi has been trying to normalize this guy until the police arrive. Like yeah. he's like, maybe can I get a drink of water? You're like, you're like, because think of all the things you would do. If I get a drink of water, can I get a glass? If I have a glass and he attacks me, can I hit him with the glass? Yeah. If I get to the kitchen, I know there's a way out through there that he might not know. Is there, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a myriad of things that you start going through in these situations. And it's clear that Paul Pelosi tried all of them. He tried to get into two different rooms before he was able to go to the bathroom to make the phone call yeah. and was stopped. And so all the people who, you know, the Republicans, especially in the House, who trivialized and mocked this attack. And by the way, just so they could get anti-gay digs in. Let's yeah, yeah. Abundantly clear. Some oh, 100%. Of them, yeah, some of them were just like, oh, awesome. It happened in San Francisco. I can just bash gay people in the process. What a win-win. Those folks in particular need to be hounded like George Santos. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Park, or whatever his name is. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Anthony DeBolder. 
Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Um, by the way, apparently, um, the uh, right after the footage was released, uh, David DePap called into KTVU, uh, where he's uh, facing charges. He's in jail. Um, called there and and said he boasted about his actions during the attack said that uh, he wished he would have been more prepared. And he said, now that you've all seen the body cam footage, I have an important message for everyone in America. You're welcome. Okay. So uh, to all um, the, um, to Ted Cruz and Scott Perry and MTG and Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson and all these folks, this guy is now yours. You, he was, he was, he was a dyed-in-the-wool maggot, full-on Trump supporter, and I have no problem calling him that because he's in the violent category. Um, and you guys own him. Yeah. And now he is not only a nutty supporter of Donald Trump that attacked uh, an an old man with a hammer. He's now boasting about it. Yeah. He now thinks. It's I, I I suppose the being unrepentant puts him in league with like the unrepentant Jan Sixers, for example. Yeah. That it, he considers himself like a, a satellite soldier of the Jan Six attack. And in many ways, that's exactly what he was. He was oh, just yeah. late because it took him a long time to get that pack up the hill. And by the way, more prepared, the guy had a giant backpack full of God knows what. Yeah, what else was in that backpack? I don't know. It had to be multiple changes of clothes and a parachute. He was going to DB Cooper himself out of there or something. But um, just you know, the uh, and and interesting that he calls in right after um, the the phone call happened, or right after the footage comes out. Um, he said, oh, "Let's see if we, there's more of his statement because I can't play the audio anywhere." DePap goes on to say that he sought out to pay a little visit to the people he believes to be responsible for killing freedom and liberty, and is only regretful he didn't get more of them. I have a lot more to say. I had a website of over 300 pages. That 300 pages of stuff they don't want you to hear. I'm in the process of trying to set up a new site out of the reach of tyrannical global fascists. I mean, I don't know why Marge Green hasn't hired him already. Uh, He sounds like a spokesperson. You think he's one of those that would uh, ask you to define what a fascist is so he could convince himself that he's not one? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. I want you to define for me what a fascist is. And and then and then he just that, you know, that moment where you ask them to define fascist and then they they go, oh, my God, and start punching themselves in the face. (laughs) That (laughs) never happens. Um, So, yeah, Um, he this idea, this the website, by the way, where he. Um, quotes and and is and shows that he's a fan of Jimmy Dore, um, hmm. among others. Um, it was broomed off of a lot of sites, but he's gonna. I guarantee he's he's got a you know he's gonna put the exact same clips up and say the same stuff. So everybody who was like, I'm not responsible for that guy. I didn't talk, I didn't meant do, say anything that he could construe as being permission or support for that kind of action. He's gonna go online. And he's going to double down. Somebody's saying, how does he have access to these things? 
because he has not been found guilty yet and he's in the charged state of it, he does have limited um, access to things. Now, he'll have computer access because he's a violent criminal and it's on film. He'll have access, you know, to what is effectively the prison web, which won't allow you certain places. But it's stuff that you can interact with your lawyers. The lawyers could set up an access point or plead for it, which is probably what he's talking about. Plead for him to have access to, um, you know, his WIC account or domain.com or whatever he's using, (laughs) right, to try and set up a site. They could argue that it's his free speech to do so. And then, but at the same time, if they have any brains whatsoever, they might say, yes, we'll make that argument. And then come back to him and say, sorry, didn't work out. We tried because the, the video of you hitting the guy with the hammer. They were like, nah. Good luck. Um, and your free speech, you can say anything you want. You just can't type it on the internet and, and make money off of it. And that's a concern because all these sites sell advertising. So they're concerned. And, and by the way, Never have to go through it because, quite frankly, his lawyers should know at this point that this phone call alone is going to add a decade to his sentence. Because what he's up against is, you know, you're talking about a sentence of 20 to 30 years. That's the extra 10. That's right there. That calling into the radio station saying, I'm sorry I didn't get more people because here's why you get thrown in jail, folks. It's not because you did the bad thing. It's because you're inclined to do the bad thing and you might do the bad thing again. And the rest of us have to get on with our lives. Yep. So it is. uh, And the more able you are to do that bad thing that you have the urge to do, the, the longer they have to keep you in until, quite frankly, very possibly you're too old to do it. You know, and, and it's why, by the way, statistically speaking, uh, Women uh, get 10 years less than men for the same charge. Same murder victim, same dead person, same blood splatter and all that. But you know why? Because Mm -hmm. men have 10 more years of being stabby stabby than women do in terms of when they get out of jail. You can, you know, men can muster up the strength to be stabby about a decade longer than women can physically over time. If you put somebody in for 30 years, you got to put a dude in for 40 years because he's got 10 years of being stabby, stabby. If you don't believe me, look how long it took him to catch the Golden State Killer and how he was like, I can barely move. And in reality, he he was like uh, kicking it up a notch. Um, it's not entirely. Well, it is punitive. Central scrutinizer saying it is punitive. It certainly is. But the the resulting that's why you that's why we call it arresting someone. It's it's why it's you know it we re- we stop that person because the idea is that anybody who crimes like that will have a tendency to crime like that some more and again it's why for any sane person hate crimes make you know laws make sense because again if you have a one to one problem with someone and you manage to uh, you or you happen to kill them in an exchange or something like that you should be you know ar- you know arrested and tried and convicted and punished for that to some degree. But if you did it just because of the color of their skin or their religion or who they are, the chances of you, when you get out doing it, because there's a lot of those folks around is way higher. So hence we we need to pad out your time uh, to make it because it was more a generalized threat than a singular threat. That makes sense. Anyways, um, to pap in many ways, 
even though he was there to attack Nancy Pelosi and ended up attacking her husband, um, was generalizing about Democrats in general. But actively after the attack, up to that point, he hadn't attacked anybody. And therefore, you know, crazy person with delusions. He might have in San Francisco, he might have gotten bail that night. But after the attack and then calling in and saying, you know what, I'd do it again. That's exactly why the Jan Sixers that are in the D.C. jail are in there. Plenty of them walked home. Plenty of them got an ankle monitor. Plenty of them released on their own recognizance. The only ones that are still there are, yeah, I did it and I'll do it again. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's as unrepentant about this, and it's not like he has a life outside of jail right now, honest to God. Um, so it's not surprising that this becomes an act of ego because think about it. Breaking into someone's home at all, just to burglarize it, is an enormous act of ego. Yeah. It is, it, it is, it is. It is a level of self-involvement that I think most people can't even wrap their heads around. I deserve to be in your house. That's a crazy thought. That's uh, for most people. Going there to actually kidnap in this case or harm someone uh, is is even worse. You know, is an even bigger act of, you know, I'm more important than your life. This isn't even this is worse than I'm more important than your security or your stuff or your right to own things or your right to live in peace or whatever. Cause that's all that you bust somebody's window and crawl through it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And if you do on top of that, it's like, I'm not even worried about your stuff. I'm here to take you out. The, the amount of like ego involved in something like that, especially in this guy's case or in the case of somebody who does it for political purposes or allegedly political purposes or, you know, Somebody like that, it's no wonder that he was attached to someone like Trump. Because that Trump is, I mean, he's he's the, you know, the patron saint of narcissism for these folks. Yep. So, <laughs> and, you know, that just that tape coming out and I think the world seeing it and going uh, and I and, and again, he knows what happened. He knows what he looks like. He's seen the tape. His, his attorneys have seen the tape. They probably released it to them at the same time. You know, and that's one of the reasons why it got out. And yeah. it's not a good look. Oh, no. Not at all. He's not, you know, he doesn't come across as a, you know, as a master ninja hitman. And and honest to God, again, this phone call seems like an act of, of ego in that regard. I I'm embarrassed by how pitiful I look and how pitiful this went and how pitiful I'm seen. And uh, and the I think the mo- the essence of this whole thing is that the very people that I was there to um, to represent have turned on me and said, "No, nah, I'm not a MAGA supporter. I'm not uh, you know an- anti you know Democrat warrior for freedom and liberty." I'm Paul Pelosi's gay lover that, you know, that's their pain. My own, that's people. how far they'll go. Right. My, his own, his own people, the people he was willing to allegedly sacrifice himself for have, have talked about him by quite frankly, in a way that 
in their world is one of the highest pejoratives out there. The fact that he's gay or that he would be gay in this situation. Insofar as we know, he isn't. But that's not important to the circumstance. At all. It's the label that the Republicans decided, OK, what's the what's the worst thing we can say about him? Is that he's uh, Paul Pelosi's lover and it was a spat and this is all true. And that, by the way, that we get a anti-gay San Francisco slam. We get to uh, uh, assume marital infidelity, corruption and perversion amongst Nancy Pelosi and her husband. We can, you know, we can hint at that. And we get to stiff arm this dude who's on our side, who, you know, either on, in some people's beliefs, crossed the line and did something he shouldn't do by being violent about it or failed. And therefore as a failure, they got a stiff (laughs) arm, right? Yeah. That, to them, there was a, you know, and again, a lot of times what you're seeing on the Internet, I would like to say to you, and this goes back to our kind of discussion earlier about videos that you'll see on the Internet in general. Um, imagine, if you will, if someone, a neighbor, a stranger could paint a different view of the world on all of your windows anytime they wanted to. And all they had to do was get you to open the drapes. And if you looked at them, you would think that's what the world looks like, whether it does or not. And I would I, I would I plead with everyone sound, hearing the sound of my voice to never take that for granted. Never take that what you're seeing is representative of the world at large, because, again, in the case of the two people that were in that house, you had one crazy dude who's obviously an unrepentant, egomaniacal violent maggot sociopath. And then you had Paul Pelosi who in general, probably at in, in that house, there's a weapon somewhere managed to talk this dude through this whole thing to the point where he called the police and they're going to, and you're crazy and I, you know, everything's going to be okay. And tried to nurse this guy back to reality the entire time until the police could take him away and he could either get be arrested or get the help he needs. And then the police that showed up there, while they didn't react immediately until until the eighth of a second where the it the hammer comes loose and he starts swinging at him, which it only took one blow and it happened like that. Yeah. The police acted immediately on that circumstance, not knowing the circumstance when they opened the door, when the door was opened. Um, the police in this circumstance did their best, like any of us would show up at a door and go, OK, what's happening here? What am I? What's my reaction ability in this circumstance? Who's who? Who made the phone call? In that time, that's all it took. Yeah. While you're assessing. And that's how life is. Life is a big mess sometimes. And don't let the fact that life is a big mess sometimes corral you into, um, you know, an outrage barn that you're in all the time so that they can either let you out when they need you or set fire to it when they don't. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parts Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Hi, chat room. Love you. Love you, chat room. Attention. Attention. Stop what you're doing. 
Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Oh, my God! They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I would like to say, for the record, to everybody who's debating about the uh, the in the in particular to the Paul Pelosi video, because I think I, I obviously the the Memphis video, um, it's pretty clear. Uh-huh. You have uh, it's pretty clear. You have uh, five police officers acting um, in a horribly violent way, pretty cut and dry. Nobody's rewatching frame by frame seconds of that and going, well, maybe, yeah, right. Um. And I'm sure there's some discussion being had or to be had about the fact that that Tyree was running to his mother's house to escape the police because he thought they were going to kill him because of the narrative that cops p- kill black people all the time, even though these, uh-huh. black, these cops were black. And that contributes to that. And, you know, and we all know that uh, Freddie Gray had been, it had been a judge had ruled that he that him running away from the police was a reasonable response. Um, the problem is, is that when that becomes a normalized thought form, then genuine criminals, genuine violent offenders, of which, by the way, this man was not, um, will use that as an excuse to fight back or get away or, you know, or or claim that. And that's always been the concern. It's been a back and forth. There'll be a conversation about that. I have no doubt whatsoever. And that 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 storyline, when not mitigated with with the with some element of reality. um in most people's interaction, again, there are over a billion police interactions every year in the United States, from traffic stops to full-on SWAT teams, a billion interactions, a billion. There's 17,000 police uh, departments in the country. There's over 680,000 police officers all day, every day, pulling over, you know, DUIs and 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 people with stolen vehicles and domestic uh, disputes all the time. Matter of fact, most of the time, if a cop is going to be killed in the line of duty, it's going to happen during a domestic dispute in someone's home, by the way, while some some element of violence is happening. That's the most common way. So as we're all, you know, and, and home invasions being what they are as a, as a side note, and the, whether or not the 9-11 operator told them as much as they gathered from this is we don't we can't and don't know right now because that's over radio and I don't know that it's recorded and blah blah blah. But yeah. um in there is no frame by frame breakdown in the Memphis video that will will teach you anything except that's awful and never should have happened and it's bad. Yeah. And never and we agree. In, in, on the Paul Hosey thing, <laughs> there are still right wingers trying to frame by frame break down that video. And go, well, they should have just left right then. You know, so like there is. um, Again, all these circumstances happen all the time, like in in life, it doesn't matter what country you're in. You know that I remember for a long time, there was a belief system that only the United States had serial killers. Remember, like that was think about it. Most people early 90s, late 80s. It was even a conversation point amongst the USSR and uh, and China specifically. America is the only country with serial killers. America, and, and then of course the UK because Jack the Ripper and the and the Ken and Barbie and and uh, the more people or whatever. There's like some dude who 
you know, was notorious there. But America is the big one, right? America no. has all of them because we're violent and crazy and blah, blah. Now we find out that, quite frankly, in, in Russia, they don't even do anything about it for a very long time. <laughs> Same thing in, in China. And they have, like, China has a, an issue for the last 15 years that I've been aware of. I, I don't know if they had it before then, um, but they, they have, um, like, I don't know, like impulse mass killers, you know, they snap and, yeah. and go after a bunch of people and it's horrifying. It's the, the, the stories about it are particularly horrible. Um, but it wasn't even part of our thinking. And I'm, I'm, this is something that I think it, it's necessary for everybody to recognize. That the human interactions, when something genuinely awful is happening, and it, it, there is no, you can train people to respond to it as EMTs or, and police and, and soldiers and other people are, are trained, trauma surgeons and the like. They're trained to do this. Yeah. But every circumstance has so much wiggle room in it. My mom's a nurse. My, my uncle's ex-FBI. My cousin's a U.S. Marshal. Um, you know, he's... Like the stuff they've been through, as much as it might prepare you in some way for won't let that happen again, can't possibly because there are so many moving parts, so many variables in so many situations that Monday morning quarterbacking a lot of these things, unless it's a consistent refrain, doesn't do anything. Does not like it. You, you know, everybody comes up with protocol and largely the protocol that happens over time. Anything that becomes uh, culturally a protocol in an organization or in a culture, you know, in a, in a group of people of any sort, is usually because of a recurring problem. For example, one of the reasons that I believe that there's been a rise in police shootings, specifically over the last 25, 30 years, especially m- more than that, like 35 years, was directly related to um, the AIDS crisis. Because there became, if you recall, late 80s to early 90s, there was a huge conversation about bloodborne illness and interacting with people. And that criminals, you know, you can see all the videos, anything sharp in your pocket that I should know about. That conversation, that's all about needles. That's all about used needles or a knife or something that might have blood on it already. Obviously, you don't want to reach into somebody's pocket if they have an open knife, but that's that's what it is. TOS Stitch is saying, I think it was 9-11. It predates that. And it's also um, uh, like the crack epidemic. Again, some people are saying that's what it was. That was related to sort of coastal cities. This is a nationwide thing. And and the fear of bloodborne illness. I mean, it's literally why zombie movies changed. We went yeah. from there, just walk around to they to the the that's where. Um, you know, 28 days later came from. That was the fear of bloodborne illness in the public. That's not, you know, so it became a, a heightened fear. Yeah, it really did. Um, and it and then it culturalized certain things. And then there's you'll have an ebb and flow in in reaction. Like, okay, we overcorrected and we move back. That's how society. That's all. All societies build cultural things, no matter who you are, whatever group you're in. We'll always build like, okay, we keep seeing this problem over and over again. Can we solve it? And how do we solve it? And a lot of times the first three or four solutions aren't going to work. So 
that that is what I would like people to have sort of a little bit in, you know, in their consideration box. You don't have to take my word for it, but you can also watch people's reaction who believed the right wing narrative about the Paul Pelosi attack. Watch how they react to the reality of the video they're seeing. They're frozen. Yeah. Right. And the and the people, though, that supported it are like, well, it wasn't obviously they're going through this, um, you know, they're trying to use millisecond frozen frames of reality as a wedge of time. Because you can pause a piece of video and talk about it for an hour. And so a lot of people are acting as if and this is this is how people wrap their head around when they watch these kind of things. And, and like I said, they are doing it about police violence videos as well. It's the same psychological reaction. If I can pause it, it's paused in time. It's a very peculiar aspect of human psychology. And you have to understand that pause didn't happen then. That pause doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a freeze frame in real life. That's not, that's not how that works in a, in a human interaction. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> and, and especially when it's a reaction, which is totally different, I would argue, than someone who is presenting something, doing a show, having like trolleys and whatnot, um, where I'm breaking <laughs> stuff down based on the lie they're telling at that moment because they had intention and they, did, they didn't react to that. They lied on purpose. Right. And I think maybe that's the thing. Maybe, re, you know, when we deal with reaction videos as a as a cultural thing, and that's been a growing thing over the last decade and a half. Um, fight the illusion that there were any pauses yeah. whenever you see something like this and also fight the illusion that you're seeing the entire story, because, uh, you know, you want to see the 10, 15 minutes prior. If it's available, you want to know the follow up, the smaller the slice of reality you're seeing, the more apt you are to attribute traits that are not there and the right wing did this in it was so obvious they did this so much with the trickle out of news that came out about the pelosi attack they built an artificial reality on it um yeah and last night i showed glenn beck miserable as he watched his entire lie fall apart we got to take a break when we come back philip bittner will be with us live from ukraine we'll take your questions in the chat room um, and uh, and on the Discord as well. What, yeah. uh, what? 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 And by the way, Creative Circle members in the Discord have a really cool new tool I put in there. I'm just saying. We'll be back. You're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I've had people walk out of me before, but not when was being so charming. Video streaming at housefarms.com. Well, I don't care for you if the people like you're trowling out. Damn, us Facebook, Pimpstick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Welcome back to the show. I'm Hal Sparks. Uh, with me is uh, my dear friend Johnny Million, who's with me every Saturday, and, and uh, increasingly so, uh, our buddy Philip Itner, who's live in Kiev right now in Ukraine. And um, we have a lot to talk about, but I want to remind everybody, uh, patreon.com slash Hal Sparks. That's the way you support the show, the easiest and the most direct way. Um, you can always Venmo and support us that way. And then, of course, Super Chats and uh, subs- uh, subscriptions on uh, YouTube and Twitch 
respectively, is the way we stay in business and in existence. And without you, we can't do it. So thank you to everybody who does. And and thanks in advance for to anybody who will. There you go. All right. Now, see, I'm, I'm starting to learn my to do my business now. Um, hi, Philip. How are you? First hey, of all, good. Good, good, good. Mostly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good week. I mean, we're getting tanks. Yay. Yeah, that's right. You're welcome. Uh, Asag, God bless you. Right. (laughs) Um, so the, yes, (laughs) um, that the, we talked about it last time uh, you and I spoke on Wednesday about how the M ones are more than likely going to be, you know, they're going to end up in Poland. They're going to train on them and then they'll have them in the future. If they need is kind of a, almost like the same way you would put in, um, missile defense system after the war is over because Russia, you know, still is a bad actor on the world stage, that kind of idea. Um, but the good thing is that the leopards are coming. The leopards are coming. Oh yeah. And yeah. Yes. And not only leopards. that, a lot more T-72, a lot more T-72s as well. Yes. Top of the line, modern, uh, the most modern version of the, of the Soviet T-72, which has been upgraded over the years. Um, no, they're getting hundreds of tanks, hundreds and hundreds of tanks. Meanwhile, uh, it's meanwhile, <laughs> did you see the video um, that uh, apparently I, I want to say it's Thailand that um, Russia is getting back Laos. a bunch of uh, what Laos? Yeah, that's what it Laos. was. It was Laos getting back T-35s. So if the T-34s, yeah. Yeah, T thirty four is T thirty five. Like it was, yeah, two ser- two year series. So the it's um, the one that won the Second World War. It's the, yes. it's the quintessential Soviet tank from the Second World War with long sloping rear and a tank, uh, you know, uh, turret right at the front. It's yeah, ancient. It's ancient. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, oh, I mean, um, next, yeah. next thing you know, they're going to be dragging out a bunch of you know. Were those old World War One tanks with just massive uh, tur- uh, 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 tractor uh, uh, around it? You know, the at this, at this point, I'm surprised that they're not that their communications aren't that like those old boxes you saw in Vietnam where they're like call an airstrike, where they like hand crank the battery in the thing. Well, it, it that that is nuts. That's like saying um, our army has better communications because everybody's been outfitted with uh, a Nokia with a with a razor flip phone from from 1997. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, those things were sweet, but yeah. not. Uh, I yeah, I, I did too. Absolutely, it was yeah. it, it was very cool. Um, but. So that's that's an amazing step forward. I I mentioned at the beginning of the show, just so you know, uh, before we I think right before we got on the air that I um, saw a piece, uh, saw a detail about something that was going on that I don't necessarily know that, you, you know, because we kind of diverge in what we pay attention to in this sometimes. Um, but you may have seen it as well, is that there is a um, a center for research of, of uh, energy and clean air. It's one of the people that are tracking fossil fuels and they started out as they, you know, they work with the IPCC and all those guys and their specialty is tracking how much oil and gas is used, where it's shipped, how, you know, it's not just the environmental impact of the carbon from the burning of it, but the boats that sink and the, and the oil leaks and the pipeline leaks as they pay attention, all that stuff. And so by nature of their research, they are constantly keeping track of, all the big oil producers in the world, how much they're putting out, how much is getting to market, and and how much of it 
they're, you know, what they're selling it for, how much money they're making, whether they're turning a profit, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and last week, they did a review of um, Russia's uh, current oil situation. And their key findings include, and uh, I, I want to get your, uh, your thoughts on this, Russia's earnings from fossil fuel exports fell 17% in December to the lowest level since before the invasion. Uh, the EU oil ban and price cap are costing Russia an estimated $160 million a day. The fall in shipment volumes and prices for Russian oil has cut the country's export revenues by $180 million a day. Russia managed to claw back $20 million per day by increasing exports of refined oil products, mainly uh, refined gas. Because right now, the oil ban is in place, but European countries and others can still buy refined products gasoline and, you know, and kerosene, anything you derive from it, which, by the way, is very expensive because shipping a bunch of oil barrels to somewhere else where they can turn those oil barrels by price into a lot of gas, for example, is way cheaper and efficient and more profitable than refining the gas itself, which takes up a lot more space and on a ship. You know, think of barrels of gasoline made, you know, I don't know how many, let's say 50 barrels of gasoline for every barrel of oil or 35, I would say 35 barrels uh, you know, of gas from that. That means your ship has to be able to that much bigger. And if it doesn't get where it's going, you've put more effort into it than you did just getting oil out of the ground, putting it in a barrel and sending it off. You had to refine it. You had to go through the process. You had to add chemicals. You had a lot of there are a lot of service jobs in this. So it's really expensive to export gas. You want to export the, the actual, it's like the same problem that Europe's having with LNG, that they would rather have it in gaseous form because when you have to liquefy natural gas and then turn it from a liquid back into a gas to use it, that's another step and it's expensive and it's, it's difficult to deal. Okay. So Russia's being, I, I really think that the United States and Europe know this, that it guts, Russia's economy to only be able to release gas to the world because they have to spend more money, employ more people, employ more machinery to refine it before they can send it out. So and then um, they let's see, the EU is the largest importer of oil from Russia overall. But India is at a close second. Um, Turkey was gaining. But Russia in general, like it's the Netherlands and Germany that are the two primary receivers of it still. Netherlands is higher than Germany, but because it's all come down, Germany's just coming down faster in, in many ways, which is really fascinating. So a hundred and uh, what was the, uh, the final number? Um, yeah. $160 million a day in, in, uh, um, in losses from the oil ban and the price cap. And Russia is selling, their oil below the price cap to everyone they're selling it to, except China, who's buying it at $73 a barrel, which is effectively them laundering money to Russia to help them pay for the war without paying for the war. Um, there is no way the, Repu- the, the Russian government recovers as, as yeah. for their economy at this no. point. Every no, they're day, screwed. they're screwed. This is, this is, this would be, all the economic news in the world by itself, if everything else wasn't going on. Um, and, and then tanks from Laos that are 
60 years old, 70 years old. Um, so I'm just, I'm just wondering if you think Scott Ritter, uh, was right the whole time or if we owe him an apology. Um, <laughs> no, they're done. They're, they're mm-hmm. done. They have been done for a long time. Right. Uh, the, the sad thing about it is, you know, how many more Ukrainians have to die until they get it through their six, six goals that they've lost right. this war. And, and also, you know, a cornered animal is at his most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, no, but the, the writing is on the wall. It's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's done. Um, and I, I, and I can get back to my life. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. I, I can, I'm very excited for the idea of it. I know uh, it'll be, it's going to be a bumpy uh, ride the next few months, what? but, no, um, no. next, next, uh, the next better part of the year is going to be me. That's okay. It happens. You're in a war zone. It happens. Uh, uh, yeah. That's happened on, no. by the way, that's happened on broadcast news and they've let it slide from people who are uh, Still, uh, in Ukraine. So. You know, that's it's, right. It's my, it's okay. it's my fault. You and I chit chat every, no, every week. So before I score, uh, look, it's, it's over. It's done. Uh, the the mm-hmm. next uh, year is going to be horrific. Uh, it is going to be bad because as I say, an animal when he's cornered, uh, is his mo- is at his most dangerous, and they have called up a lot of men. But all it's going to be is a bunch of dead Russians. It's the, mm. this entire thing from now on in is tragic in my mind because yeah. there's no way they can win. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no way that Russia comes out of this the victor in this war. Um, and it's just a matter of again how many more people have to die before the inevitable is gotten through uh, the the Kremlin's uh, thick skull. Uh, and a mm-hmm. lot of Russians as well. I mean, you know, they're still screaming about about how they'll... they'll now the latest thing is, oh, the, the NATO tanks are too big. Uh, they're too heavy. Right. They're not... They're, not, they're going to be ground down in the, in the Ukrainian soil. Well, I mean, there's, these are tanks that were meant, that were designed to fight this war. Right. Uh, and that is not to say in that, that area of the world. That's right. And that um, is also, not to say yeah. the narrative that NATO, it's now directly NATO is at war with Russia. Uh, there uh, is a, a, there is a, I mean, it, we are giving them every single weapon that they can use to mm-hmm. defeat Russia. So we're not exactly, uh, a sta- you know, just standing by and watching. But if you were watching an abusive husband, beat his wife because she yeah. threatened to leave and, and start dating you? Uh, right. Would you just stand on the street and watch as she got beaten? Or would maybe you provide her with the weaponry and the mich- and, the, and the means <laughs> and the help, to defend yeah, yourself from the abusive exactly. husband? That's exactly. Yep. Uh, let's take a break. We have to take a break. Uh, it's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide, on WCPD Radio. WCPTA20.com is the website, and program the channel into your radio already. Yeah. You know you you know how the buttons work. It's either work. It's either set and then hit number one, or it's just press number one and hold it. It's if if you do that and your dashboard caves in, you have one of the old radios, and I don't know how it works. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> This is Damian Perdue of Think Theory Radio, Saturdays at 6 p.m. You're listening to Hal Sparks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. Ah, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. Hal Sparks Radio Program Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! 
Welcome back. Well, we got all the swearing out of our uh, system during the break. I think we feel pretty good about it. Yeah. And uh, just I, no, it's okay. I, I like at a certain point. Let me let me. First of all, there's been multiple studies that say the people who swear are more honest than people who don't. Secondly, okay. um, now now there's always a caveat that people are not just being brutally honest when they don't swear. So they might couch what they're saying in kinder terms, which is a form of deception. Fine, fine, fine. But um, also, uh, it, when you're reacting to something, you know, the stuff that we talk about on the regular, because. Philip comes on my on my show on Wednesdays um, and we you know we kind of have a midweek report of what's going on. And um, a lot of, you know, we obviously speak more freely there than we can on the radio because of the very nature of the conflict that is going on. And I have to say, he's there in countries there on the uh, you know, on the ground in this. He's he's got a helmet and a and a flak jacket and and has to go to a underground bunker whenever there's a or a or a subway stop whenever there's a an alarm of you know of merit and they've been bombing the crap out of the infrastructure just to attack civilians and wear them down for so long that i i gotta say considering the mass graves considering the wagner group considering solodyov's constant like well, there is no world without russia so we might as well just nuke the whole place i i'm i'm saying that this is if this doesn't call for the occasional f bomb, I don't know what does. So there, I said it, and I feel better for bleeping saying it. Now um, <laughs> let's uh, um, <laughs> let's uh, catch up on on you know on some of the stuff because I um, beyond the fact we that the tanks, are, tanks, yes, we yeah, talked about tanks, about and tanks. we've got questions already from the chat. I know, so it's, uh, let's jump sure. in because I will, yeah. Yep. All right. So from Berkeley Dowd, got a question. How will the coming spring melt affect the war? Do you think the Ukrainians have an advantage under their current winter conditions with the frozen ground? Actually, the ground isn't that frozen. We've had an mm-hmm. incredibly mild winter. Yep. Um, the the I think we are likely to see a Russian offensive sooner than later because they know that once the leopards and the other main battle tanks are there, um, that they're mm-hmm. done. They're done for. Um, so, and also, even before the tanks were announced, we knew that they were massing for a potential winter offensive. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Ukrainians, when I was out in Donbass, were clearly setting up for de- uh, defensive p- positions. It does look like that's how they're going, that they are going to continue to fight a defensive war during the, during the latter period of winter. Um, and that the Russians are going to just throw waves and waves of conscripts at them. Um, but I don't think that, uh, that the winter, I don't think the winter has been a decisive factor, except for the fact that folks were planning on it. And when the, the ground didn't freeze, they had to adjust their battle plans, mostly the Russians. So. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I, I still think that we are a, a war of maneuver that is simply paused uh, in anticipation of bad winter conditions that never actually happened, and also to allow the Russians to get their conscripts and for the Ukrainians to get extra equipment. So uh, we are not in a war of attrition. We are just in a war of maneuver that is static. Mm-hmm. That answers the question. Right. 
Um, let's see. Let's yeah, we're good. Let's grab another one real quick because yeah. before we get into the break. From Ed's 3D Tech, uh, what is the tank count in the Russian army? According to estimates, the existing tanks in the Russian army are 96.6% gone for working tanks. Mm-hmm. We hear all sorts of different reports about whose uh, weapons levels are, uh, you know, and in terms of functionality, uh, uh, better than the others. We, The Russians have definitely definitely taken some very serious blows to their uh to their their kit not just uh not just the tanks or infantry fighting vehicles but artillery uh their their tanks are clearly in pretty bad shape uh a lot of tanks were actually surrendered uh and Mm -hmm. overtaken throughout the war as uh, Russia has moved forward, over uh, overextended themselves, and then you know when there was the pushback from around the capital, when there was the uh, um, when both Kharkiv and Kherson uh, were taken back uh, by Ukrainian forces, they stumble on these massive you know weapons depots and they just take them. So actually, I mean, there was the st- statistic that we had months ago. Where uh, it was like the, the Ukrainians have actually uh, seized more mm-hmm. armor than they've lost in the war, but you know both sides are definitely going through a lot of their equipment. The difference is that the Ukrainians are getting resupplied by weapons that are even far better than what anybody right. in this era, theater of operations um, uh, had at the beginning of the war. I mean, even the T ninety is it is. I mean, it's a, it is a comparable weapon system to the Challenger, the Leclerc, and the Leopard. Um, the Abrams beats pretty much everybody, but um, mm-hmm. uh, even that, you know, their T-90s were in disrepair. I've heard, you know, American, in particular, generals talking about, oh, the T-70, the modernized T-72 and the T-90 are a match for any main battle tanks. So let's all not get too excited, to which I respectfully uh, reply yes, but those are when the T seventy two and the T nineties are in perfect running condition, and because of the kleptocracy that exists in Russia, you know they weren't. So it's look the 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 um, the pendulum has swung. The fulcrum of power on the on the uh, uh, seesaw that is um, Russia and Ukraine has definitively uh, switched and. Um, Ukraine is Ukraine is going to win this war uh, with possible caveats mm-hmm. and how much damage will be uh, inflicted. Right. Uh, that's a, a variable. Does Russia do something crazy? That's a variable. But I don't. And I don't have a. I've been saying all along since the take announcement came. I don't have. A, I don't have a crystal ball, but I know how to do math. Hmm. And um, it's done. It's. It's. I will. This will be the yeah. final war that I will ever cover. <laughs> and a country that I love dearly um, will end with uh, a righteous victory on the side that should win, and that's the Ukrainians. Um, cool. Uh, let's let's see. We got uh, two minutes left. Somebody was asking. Um, uh, Petro Pavel won the um, the Czech presidency. Um, right. Who's, the who's former, a military? Yeah, he's a former yeah, military former, guy. Uh, General NATO. Uh, he yeah. had a special office in NATO, but yeah, yep, and right. some felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a, a rugged, r- rugged looking dude. 
Um, <laughs> he looks like he reminds me of the guy uh, who's like, um, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, you know, it's like that, he, he's got he's that the kind most of interesting man in the world. Yeah, he looks like that guy's manager. Anyways, um, he um, the I, I mean, I think the fact that he won over the more kind of you know populist. And and we have to take populace with a grain of salt these days because a lot of times the people seizing what are what is a populist narrative are doing it for reasons that the populace themselves don't know about. So far left and far right populists tend to like, you know, it, it seems to be the sheep's clothing that they're wearing. But anyways, the fact that he is uh, a former NATO guy, um, that in and of itself, I think, is part it seems to be anyways part of why he got some support why why he may you know yeah yeah oh how much time do we have uh we got we got a minute <laughs> so oh, it boy. might yeah okay quick story quick this part and it's relevant it's it's a it's a personal story so don't take yeah. this as a well the depiction is something wide, but um, I love this about the Czechs because it's relevant because the Czechs are having been in Warsaw Pact. They know the deal. I went to yeah. Prague. First of all, the first times I was, I was in Prague, I was sat at the end of the bar. I had been living in Moscow and I was frustrated as heck. Mm-hmm. And I said, I was complaining about Moscow, about, about the, the conditions, the corruption, the, the brutality of, of people. And, all of it. and there was a guy at the other end of the bar who was giving me stink eye, giving me stink eye, giving me stink eye. And finally, I had to say, you know, what's the deal? And he said, well, if you don't like it so much, then leave. And I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, if you don't like my country, I'm Czech. You're complaining about Czech. I, if you don't like it, leave. And I said, no, no, no. You misunderstand. I just landed on a trip from Moscow. This is my rest and relaxation. I'm getting my mind back. I'm complaining about Moscow. Suddenly, this guy's smile was was just a mile wide. He was like, right. let me buy you a beer. Tell me about how screwed up Russia is. Right. The, the people who lived under Moscow's reign know exactly what it is right. to live under Moscow's reign. That is why the Poles, the Czechs, the Bolts, they're yep. all so, so strongly trying to fight uh, against Russia because they know what it's like to live under the, under the thumb of Russia. And right. so do the Ukrainians. Fundamentally, that's what it's all about. Right. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. By the way, my my girlfriend's family is Czech. So uh, I'm I'm very aware. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And a guitar note. And then progressive. And all. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And a guitar note. And then progressive. And all. Yeah, it's going to be good. The House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. Welcome back to the show. Uh, keep that support coming. Um, go to patreon.com slash house parks, uh, become a patron and you can support, you can do a one, you know, once a year, just do it in one fell swoop. Um, and, or you can do it monthly or whatever. If that's up to you, you can support us via Venmo. You can, uh, which if you use the little thing that's just over my head on the live stream and you can go to, uh, you know, if you're on YouTube or you're on Twitch, you can use their means to show your support for the show in any way that you can. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Welcome back to the show. And, um, Philip's still with us. We got more questions from the chat room. Um, and, uh, Johnny Million's been farming them like a maniac. He's in, he's wearing his, uh, 
DJ JD outfit this morning. He's got his, he's, he's got his big headphones on like he's scratching. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 that doesn't sound good. You have to understand, people on the radio don't know what I'm talking about and can't see it. Yeah, you can't make that noise after I say scratching. It's weird. That's not the... I've got a question from Nick. Yeah, Rick. great. Okay, thank you. Bail us out. Does, does Phil have any idea when promised armor will arrive in the field? Uh, we are hoping by the end of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the a lot of talk. I mean, look, the the T-72s that Poland are sending, they'll be sent straight to the front lines. There's no problem there. But getting trained up and getting the infrastructure ready for the – NATO main battle tanks. Uh, that's going to take some time. Uh, they will uh, the uh, again a lot of people who are uh, speaking in public on both sides, NATO and Ukraine. Um, they, they hope to have them out by by March, and uh, that's about right the, the right time. Now the Abrams we won't see in the field probably ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, um, one of the fascinating things. Uh, you know, I've been looking into sort of the Royal, Russian oil and gas industry because, quite frankly, there is no other industry. They, they literally they have seen a hundred and eighty million dollar a day drop in exports, and a hundred and sixty of that is is uh, is oil. One hundred twenty eight of that is oil. The rest of it is gas. There's like nothing else. Like I don't uh, ham radios. I don't know what the other percentage is. It's ridiculous. But in the meantime, the United States, if you recall, the right wing flipping out. Has, you know, arranged essentially so that, um, you know, we would not quite normalize, but reopen the idea that Venezuela could, we lifted some of the sanctions on them being able to ship oil and present it to the world because, you know, lesser of two evils time. Are they a problem? Yeah. But, it, but have they threatened the world with nuclear annihilation? No. So on the scale of villains, Venezuela, thanks to Russia, dropped way down on the list. You know, Russia's taken up the top 10 slots all by itself right now. And that increasingly is making it worse because Venezuela is using up all the boats. Now, the last time we talked, you, you mentioned um, the the vehicles that the Russians are having to use to bring arms and people to the front line essentially because all of their of the vast majority 90 some odd percent of their troop transports are gone so they're just grabbing city buses and mm-hmm. and you were i think you used the term scooby-doo buses um yeah, yeah. I mean, we well, see you kind of see that on both sides but uh the on the russian side of things uh they're you know they're using buses they're using tractors they're they're I mean, they do rely on rail a lot more, but mm-hmm. I mean, their entire their entire logistical chain has been massively um, damaged uh, mm-hmm. by this type of thing. They're, you know, they're really they're falling they're falling apart on the other side of the, of the line. Uh, I have friends that talk to their friends in uh, if friends had family in Ekaterinburg, for example, or. Um, kind of the farther flung, flung parts of Russia uh, out into Siberia, and um, it's it's getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. They can hide it as much as they want, but it's <laughs> it's getting bad. Well, one of the things that you know, 
as Democrats, we always have a difficulty negotiating with the Republicans on one particular point, which is they don't really care what happens to a certain group of people. Like if they if if, if there's a marginalized group or a group that is, uh, you know, um, maligned or under the thumb or aging or poor or any of that stuff, they, they're kind of the losers in of life to the to a lot of the Republican, especially the libertarian Rand Paul leaning folks. You can't save everybody and you can't make it on without breaking some eggs. So the hell with them. And so Democrats are always negotiating from a position of weakness because we care about what's happened to it. It's the Superman versus Zod and them. He cares about these people. They are his weakness. That's exactly the reference. That's, by the way, why the original, like, like you know, that movie it, Superman two is, is a Russian American allegory. It's the problem with when you care about the people they've already, they've got something against you. Yeah. Um, so in, in the essence, it, I don't know personally if there's a, a way to negotiate with Russia going forward, unless there's some sort of like cultural shift once Putin goes or it, like it's it's really hard to get a grip on, you know, because you and I well, talked about it's it. Gonna like, borrow, we're, we're going to pour yeah. right down to Crimea. It's it's right. I think, in my humble opinion, I think this boils down to Crimea um, because uh, Crimea is very much part of Russia's sense of self identity. Um, uh, there's a lot of there's look. It's, we don't have the time to go into the entire right. history of Crimea, but ultimately you could make the argument that watch the you know, past shows. Really, we've, we've, t- we've hinted at enough Tantars, of it. That we can the cover, Tantars, right. if, you're, if you really want to push back, I mean, they, they have a claim yeah. as well. So right. you know, Tatar is a completely different identity from Ukrainian as well, or mm-hmm. general Ukrainian. You, you know, Tatars you know, have a place. They're more Turkish. It's right. really and complicated. A lot of them it's fled really to Turkey. Right. The, the, the important point is, that I'm trying to make is I think the, the, the they're going to take back the Donbass. They're going to take back um, the embankment on the Azov Sea that includes uh, Mariupol. They're going to close that land bridge. I'm saying what the Ukrainians are capable of um, once they really get going. Um, but when it comes to Crimea, when and and I also think I agree with General Ben Hodges. I think that the Ukrainians can take back Crimea. The question mm-hmm. is, when when you start going for Crimea, you open up a whole other kettle, you know, a whole other right. thing of worms, uh, and um, it's it's going to get it's going to get nasty. Unfortunately, not that it hasn't been, but it's going to. This is where things are going to get weird because uh, Ukraine clearly is going to win this war. Um, it's just do they what, what is what is done about the question of Crimea. Um, it's the, it's, you know, it, that's the big one. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I Russia yeah. is not in a good place. No. Um, let's, uh, let's see. Yeah. We got a couple more minutes before the break. So let's take another question. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one from Elmac 1969. I'd like to ask Philip if he thinks the Ukrainians will save the Patriots for the battle of the coast. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the Patriots will be here, uh, which is where they're need, which is where they're really needed. Uh, it's an interesting idea about the coast. They, they certainly look if they get a bunch of Patriots, if they, I mean, right after this would, that's exactly where I would put the Patriots is down around Odessa. 
um, and up along the, the coastline there. Absolutely, right. 100% the second place I would put them. But first and foremost, you have to protect the capital. Uh, so I think the Patriots will be coming here. They're not going to get a lot of them. Um, so you have to be discretionary where, about where you put them. But, yeah, I'd put them there second. Mm-hmm. Also, the, um, uh, again, a lot of this is, for anybody who played Risk, old-fashioned encroachment. Um, you, you move some, you gain some ground, and you put stuff there. And then you move the – and this is the, this is the essence of where they – you know, the, uh, the illusion that Russia started this because they were worried about NATO encroachment because mm-hmm. all they did was give every country around them reason to fear their primacy, their encroachment. That, that, you know, it's one of those things like we only have our nukes for mutual assured destruction. We're never going to use them, but they're there in case you try to. It's been the conversation mm-hmm. for a long time. The minute you start talking about first strike capability and, and one of and it's why our presidents never openly speak of it, you eliminate mutual assured destruction and you change the entire focal strategy of whoever your your opponent is, your you know, in, in this, they've now got to think about it in terms of you're going to attack first. I don't care what you're saying about this being defensive. You're going to do it on purpose. And Russia, interestingly enough, while they're projecting onto everyone else that this attack is coming, they started the attack and are now defend, uh, basically saying they're going to defend their attack by using nukes. This is the I mean, it's mostly the performative BS what that you I find, see. What I find interesting in the the just cacophony of, of wild stuff that's been going on since the announcement of the tanks, because they all know that this this means the end. Uh, the tanks, the, the capacity that is being given to Ukraine is going to crush mm-hmm. uh, Russian land forces. So they know. So now they're, they're going back to the old saber-rattling of nukes, and they're saying, you're forcing the world into a nuclear exchange. Right. The, 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 your, your tankies, your um, Sovolyevs, all the rest of them, Skabayevas, um, mm-hmm. you're forcing the world into a nuclear exchange. What they never say is, well, who's going to push the button first? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's going to be an exchange of nuclear weapons, I don't see NATO pushing that button first, especially since, you mm-hmm. know, NATO tanks are going to be the definitive on the ground here. Right, they're already winning. They're already mm-hmm. winning, so why would we push the button? So inherently what they're saying is, you're forcing us to engage in a, a nuclear exchange, and yet we, it, it, it robs us. What I love about it is it robs us of agency. We yeah. had to push the button. Right. Well, you know, it's typical Russian thinking of, mm-hmm. you know, you made us do this sort of thing. Um, no, uh, I, you yes, made a right. choice, and now and you're in, doing it. And as we take our break and, and uh, come to the last block, by the way, uh, keep those questions coming, people in the chat room. Uh, tag Johnny in them. Um, yeah. I would venture to say that as much as we thought had changed when the USSR turned into Russia in the early 90s, what's ultimately true is that largely that seems to be a rope-a-dope, and they never really changed. That it was a a cultural change of some order of magnitude would be necessary to stop them from behaving like this, and it had nothing to do with communism versus capitalism, that this is a social-cultural aspect of Russian governmental society that stuck around and if they became, you know, socialist Democrats tomorrow, it wouldn't change a thing. They would just be the they would just 
reinvigorate national socialism in their own way. We got to come. We'll come back right after this. It's the House Sports Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I am happy. You are happy. Let us be happy together. Whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny. I am lucky. You are lucky. Let us get lucky together. Whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy. Because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do? And isn't it nice that the sky is so blue? And isn't it nice to say I love you? Chugga, chugga, choo, choo, woo, I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! That is right. Garfunkel and Oates uh, did that in studio for us uh, a while back, and it, we, it's just lovely to have um, with there, especially... As you recognize that, again, like we talked about in the first hour, that sometimes social media and the news uh, take over your windows on your house. Yep. They, it's like they walk around, they throw TVs and phones up. When, and instead of seeing the horizon and your friends and your neighbors and your life and your car and all the things that are real in your life, you see this distant you know, view of the end times that's being served to you in bite-sized morsels all the time. So it's nice to have a constant run. Um, uh, I, um, I have been over the last week, by the way, um, I have been playing around with the AI stuff in the world or whatever. And I showed Johnny and, and Philip during the break, some of the Mm -hmm. stuff I've been playing around with, um, for the entire purpose, by the way, of, um, and I can only show this on on the show, so you're just going to have to just suck it up and, and understand, is that I was trying to find a picture of or make a picture of a um, because I'm in a I'm in Nerd Halen. I'm in this Van Halen cover band and we do both Hagar and DLR era. And I wanted a, a picture of or eventually an actual made one of a Hey Baby so that I could hold up. A hey baby on stage when yeah. I sing hey baby in this Hagar song. And so I sought out Mid Journey and I had it make pictures. And you can see them online at oh, uh, hey infotainmentwars.com. These are the first versions that it came up with. Hey baby. I like the bottom corner one the most. Um, these, those are the hey babies. And um, hey baby. And um, so I made that available to the people in my creative circle level of, of um, my Discord on, on Patreon. Um, so uh, they, they can start messing around with it. They have to sign up, though. You have to, you have to sign up to use MidJourney, but I, I recommend it. It's a, it's a good afternoon. Um, Mark Kramer and I have fallen in love with uh, uh, Chef GPT, which is like chat GPT, but recipes. So you tell it what food you have, and it will make a recipe, and they're actually good. It's a little insane. I, I, I'm just saying I don't need you people anymore. I'm rescinding back into I'm going to be alone with my AIs. And as soon as they make a sex robot, I'm never going to need another human in my life. No, the um, it's <laughs> they've already made them and uh, they're very disappointing. Anyways, um, or so Johnny told me. But the, yeah. it, it, the point I'm trying to make is um, there's a lot. Of, the world is moving forward at a very fast clip. It's a little nuts sometimes, like technologically where it's going. And this is the time when Russia has decided to make an enemy of, apropos of nothing, by the way, for no other reason than just to do it, 
just grab the parking brake and, and, and with China gripping it with them and just yank it while the car is going 150 miles an hour like that. They have just said, you know what? All that technological stuff. We've got enough of it. We can just troll you on social media and wreck your uh, your social discourse. So we don't need any of that stuff. We're, we're just we're not even going to try. And uh, I honestly consider, th- consider the drain, uh, the brain drain they're going through right now. Right. Who, who wants to be in Russia right now? There's no future for you. And if you're a man of, you know, a certain military age, age right? There's a good chance that you're going to be rounded up. I mean, I've seen a lot of talk about that happening here in Ukraine recently. It is certainly not endemic because most people are actually you want know, to fight. Red right. to go. They want to fight. Um, but <laughs> or serve uh, somehow. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're rounding up a lot of really smart people or they're forcing a lot of smart people in Russia uh, to head for the exit, which that's been a problem for a long time. But, sure. You know, that happens in every yeah. country that goes to war. There's always going to be a slice of the people that go, I don't want any part of this. Well, they, even tried, fact- they even tried making their own Silicon Valley. That was a Dmitry Medvedev thing. He, he mm-hmm. built this enormous complex on the outside uh, outskirts of moscow and everybody's like no good no no thank you we're, we're good if we get an offer from google i am off i am yeah. out of here right I and they in, all i am in and Palo Alto ex- tomorrow yeah they all bugged out like and and yeah. and again that's so the reason i bring that up is because i saw a i saw two conversations one from a a, a, a syrian refugee that was being interviewed about how difficult it was to go to other countries and how it, it was a, I, I thought he was a particularly bad refugee um, to interview if you were sympathetic to the refugees coming out of Syria. And maybe that was the point. I think it was on Democracy Now! Because he lived fairly well in the government-controlled areas, but he didn't like the government. But he also didn't side with the rebels, so he just decided to leave. Which is like saying, you know, in the American Civil War, I don't like the uh, – I, I hate slavery, but not enough to like the North – so I'm going to Canada. It's really odd. It's just an odd person to talk about. But then they were talking about these. What's the state of Russia after they go? And there's this consensus after, you know, ever, after the brain drain happens and they've killed off the rest of their like functional men, largely, that that they become a feudal state, that they are going back to like a a level of societal function that's positively like i mean we're talking like wild west 1700s kind of stuff even worse than post the the violence that was that was post 91 what do you build what do you build in russia except weapons and an oil and gas industry and and then what do you build if that's all you got and nobody wants any of it from you anymore because of how you do everything else because of what you do with the weapons and what you use the energy for at at I don't think there anybody's prepared for that, for figuring that and answering that question. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of talk in Russia about what what is our future, what is the next, what does the next twenty, thirty, fifty years look like, sort of thing. Uh, I know a lot of people that have left. I know, uh, I know of many. I have personal friends. Uh, I have a lovely uh, friend of mine who used to work for the air industry out in Ekaterinburg. And because she is of Jewish descent, she's in Israel right now and is not going back. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, sadly, look, I don't take any pleasure in saying this, 
but there's very little future in Russia once they lose this war, and they're going to lose this war. Right. It's the, the ramifications of what Putin did here are going to just go on and on and on. And if you're in your 20s or your 30s and you're living in Russia, the, the writing is on the wall, no matter how much you want to pretend it isn't. Uh, things are not looking good for them because um, the, this, this is going to, the sanctions and also just the, the damage that this war is doing to them is not yeah. going to be cleaned up for years. I, I just, it, it, like, it was a bad, it seems like a bad tactical maneuver in general because of the illusion that somehow they could occupy Ukraine in the first place, which was never going to happen. Now, with all the other sanctions and the rest and becoming a pariah and effectively dragging China behind them. By the way, uh, since the Ukraine war, Chinese exports are off by 70 percent. Now, there's been a lot of elements, COVID and other things in China. But there's also the perception of you can't trust the Chinese government with your goods. And so a lot of people, you know, factories are reshoring. They're getting out of they're moving someplace else. They're going to. Uh, Vietnam or they're going to Cambodia or they're going to Australia or anybody anywhere to Japan and South Korea. But part of why people are leaving is not just the government so inept that they keep having lockdowns and they don't know how that stuff works. And then they they effectively wipe that there's going to I mean, there are millions of people dying there right now. It's it's horrifying on its own, but also their relation to Russia and the fact that they are paying more for oil to Russia than anybody else right now. Seemingly on purpose as a way of slipping Russia a 20 with every barrel to just say, look, this is for you. I, I can't say we're supporting you. We can't give you this. We can't give you that, but we'll give you the money to buy it. And we've talked to Iran. You could buy it from them. That's essentially what's what's happening, because there there's nowhere else. I mean, both of these countries, we are headed into a year where both of these countries experience a political and social shock like they have not experienced certainly Russia, you know, since 91. And I would say worse than that. And China in since the cultural revolution, since Mao's famine, like that, that we're on the precipice of that. And by the way, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of heavy water ahead and, and we better grab onto the, you know, grab onto the ropes on the raft because, 23 it's, is going to be a rocky year. Yes, uh, it is. At the end, at the end, it will be of benefit. I do believe because I think we're going to come through, through the the white water and, and into nice calm waters. But we're going to watch both Russia and China. I'll defer to you about China, but certainly we're going to see Russia in a real fit of, of a hell of their own making. Of their I, own and, making, right. That's uh, anyways. Thanks, Philip Bittner, for joining us. Follow Philip Bittner on Twitter. One L, two T's. Um, and of course, uh, he's got a vlog you might want to check out as well. Uh, thanks for being a guest. We'll see you on Wednesday at Johnny Million. You're awesome. We love you. You're amazing. Thanks, everybody in the chat room. I'll be um, I'm going to go check on the kitten who may I think may have just come back from the doctor. Hopefully. OK. Fingers crossed. I'll let you guys know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Much love. Thanks, Chicago. You guys are awesome. See thanks, you soon. Chicago. Thanks, Johnny. See you guys later. Bye, everybody.